Hey folks, this is Dr. Sam Byrne, and I'd like to welcome you to another edition of iClarity Podcast. This is a show that offers cutting-edge information on holistic eye care and wellness. One of my beliefs is, is that you don't have to live out your doctor's diagnosis, and you can improve your vision at any age. For those of you that like video, I uh, do a question and answer session every Wednesdays on Facebook Live. That's 5 o'clock Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So if you have any questions, uh, just jump on Facebook at, uh, at that time and type in your question, and I'll do my best to answer it. So I want to start here today before we go into the Q&A. I get this question a lot, you know, how long will it take me to, say, reverse my cataracts or uh, reverse my nearsightedness and astigmatism? And I would say that one one of the main principles that I've uh, taught over the years to my patients is that if you're going to go into the holistic model, the holistic paradigm, one of the things you need is patience. That it really takes time to make the deep level changes that you're being asked to make because in a holistic wellness paradigm, what we are doing is we are treating the causes of the imbalance instead of just the symptoms. Now, sometimes when you treat the causes, Sometimes that does help the symptoms, and I, I kind of help people uh, with their symptoms overall. But the big picture is that if you're trying to uh, change a deep-set pattern, it's going to take time. And I would say that the time frame is somewhere between six months and a year. So you've got to be willing to commit to that. And if you're into the quick fix, if you're into the you know, I just need to get better now, then probably the holistic paradigm is not for you. It definitely relates to lifestyle, diet, stress reduction, you know, uh, taking more charge of your health. And if you do that, you've got a really good chance to make some deep level changes. So take the long view, take the big picture. If you do that, you have a better chance of success. So my first question today is from Ryan who asks, hey there, how did you cure your learning disability holistically? Well, that's a great question, uh, Ryan. And, you know, learning disabilities and learning differences, that is a huge terrain to travel on because there's so many different ways to learn. You know, you can be a visual learner, you can be a auditory learner, you can be a kinesthetic learner. Some people learn through their smell and taste. And if you have been diagnosed with a learning disability, the first thing I would say is that be careful about living out your diagnosis. That if you're labeled something And there's all kinds of labels out there in the field of learning disability. Dyslexia, minimal brain dysfunction, uh, 
attention deficit disorder, um, autism. And certainly these diagnoses and these, these uh, terms, there's, there's validity to them. I'm not arguing that point. But my suggestion would be, is something that I did in my own case, is that I began in my, in my journey when I knew that I had a learning disability and difficulty with reading. I, my, my issue was more about language and reading and writing and had some issues with attention and focus. Uh, there, when I was growing up, there weren't a lot of different, you know, therapies like they, there are today. And, you know, there's certainly things like the speed reading courses and, you know, other avenues that can help what we call your splinter skills. But I guess my, um, my advice to Ryan is the advice that, that I gave myself, which was that I was seeking out a group or a group of therapists or helpers who could see the whole picture, who could, who could look at me in totality. Because, you know, it's very interesting. When you get into a specialty, you specialize in a certain area, you're really good in that area, but you tend to isolate just in that area. So, you know, if you're a heart doctor or you're a foot doctor or you're an eye doctor, unless you really kind of study the whole body and see the relationships you tend to stay in your lane and everybody coming in gets that kind of diagnosis. And it's the same in the learning disability field. You know, you've got tutors, you've got um, educational psychologists, you've got psychiatrists. And I think you have to do a little self-awareness in um, questioning yourself. What is your own philosophy? Are you interested in more of a pharmaceutical approach? Are you interested more in a dietary approach? Are you interested more in, say, um, sensory integration or sensory motor, if you even know what that is? Um, so in my view, you know, my, my mom trained me to look at more of the whole picture, to be more of a holistic person. And when I was in my early 30s and I met a holistic eye doctor, he saw the whole picture. And there are a couple things that he did. I want to give him a shout out, Dr. Al Shankman. He's not alive anymore. Uh, and I met Dr. Shankman when he was in his mid-70s. And uh, I began going to him, and he immediately made the connections to my nutrition, my, um, my developmental learning, meaning that there were certain motor skills in relation to my eyes that I never fully developed. And some of these uh, motor patterns are called the primitive survival reflexes. And these primitive reflexes, I still had them. I hadn't integrated them. Now, again, not um, all doctors know about the primitive reflexes. Um, some occupational therapists do. But Dr. Shankman, and I'll bring in another one of my mentors, Dr. Al Sutton, Albert A. Sutton, he was also a very, very uh, successful developmental optometrist. Both of those doctors looked at their patients from a whole body, whole health point of view. And so 
The first thing they did was they asked a lot of questions about my early childhood, even pre-verbally. What happened? What time? When did I start crawling? When did I start walking? You know, what was the school experience like? I mean, there were several questions that they asked me, and they say started me to think about how we learn in a certain sequential order. And we develop in a certain sequence. And we have experiences, and then that opens us, opens us up to new things. And um, in his approach, in his therapy, he not only worked on my eyes, but he worked on my brain. He worked on my uh, processing of information. He worked on my motor coordination. He worked on my primitive reflexes. He worked on my diet. Uh, he administered light therapy, which is very helpful in opening up my peripheral vision. And he recommended I get craniosacral therapy to help with some of the head traumas that I had uh, um, experienced as a younger, a younger person. So there are many ways up to the top of the mountain, many, many ways. And my approach and what I offer in terms of helping both kids and adults with learning problems works for a certain type of person who's looking for that holistic approach. And in my sphere, I also have other professionals who work in speech-language auditory, who work more deeply in nutrition and biochemistry, who work more deeply in trauma and um, unusual neurological problems. So if I see something that's off balance, I can refer to these people, and they're part of my team and my patient's team in improving a person's learning. And I think today, the way our culture is and the way society is, I'm not sure that school is for everybody. I think that you have to find you know, what you're good at, what you enjoy, and maybe it is developing a skill set in a certain trade or profession. Uh, maybe you're a people person. Maybe you do better you know, working in an IT environment. Maybe you're more of an entrepreneurial type. In any case, the better you know yourself, then you're going to understand and you're going to attract uh, professionals into your life to help you if you've got a learning challenge or a behavioral challenge or an attentional challenge. And, you know, it's really very individualized. Uh, it, it isn't a cookbook approach. So, Ryan, uh, number one, I would get to know yourself better and what your, your um, strengths and weaknesses are. If, in fact, you do have a learning challenge, seek out a professional or a group of professionals that are more holistically minded. And number three, stay the course, because it's going to take time for you to um, improve your learning. You know, I was diagnosed at about age seven. And it took me over 20 years before I found my answer. And um, so it takes time, Ryan. But best of luck to you. And thank you so much for the question. This is question two. This is from Sophia. She says, I have just been put on Restasis. Can I take MSM 15% drops at least 15 minutes apart? So Restasis is a 
drug that is now being used to increase tear production in the eye. So it's, it's a treatment modality that helps decrease inflammation. It modulates the immune system, so it's regulating the white blood cell production because the theory is, is if we create too many lymphocytes or white blood cells around the eyelids, that it begins to block the glands in terms of producing enough tears. And some of the side effects of restasis could be things like dry eye, burning, redness, irritation, and uh, blurred vision. So if you are diagnosed with uh, dry eye, Sophia, first of all, as a woman, one of the things that I would look at would be your estrogen levels. Do you have high estrogen? Do you have low estrogen? Um, there is a correlation between hormonal imbalances and dry eye. So if you started to address the hormonal balance, that maybe would be one step away from needing the restasis long-term. Number two, I would look at your endocrine health in terms of thyroid and adrenals. If your thyroid is underacting, this actually can create things like Graves' disease and other hypothyroid situations, which can also lead to your eyes drying out, not producing enough tears. In terms of the adrenals, this would say that you're under chronic stress, and so your eyes are going to dry out because you're always in a fight, flight, or freeze response. So being able to balance out your adrenals could be very helpful. Next, I would look at your digital device use and what you're doing on that. Are you taking frequent breaks? What lens prescription are you using? Are you a contact lens wearer? Do you use progressive lenses? These are all risk factors that can create visual stress and dry eye. So you want to find a lens prescription that's going to relax your vision while you're using your digital devices. So in answering your question, I think increasing your fats and oils, your antioxidants, eating a more anti-inflammatory diet. Um, if you're taking any pharmaceuticals, I would check in with those side effects. And then if you want to use the MSM, they would be a good support for you. Now, the 15% MSM could sting or burn a little, um, and that's because there could be some congestion in the blood vessels. So there are ways that you can instill one drop of MSM with your eyes closed and do the eye massage. The eye massage is done to open up the glands of the lids, and when you do manual light massage on your eyelids, it's a way to get you to start to produce more tears. So... Yes, you can use uh, MSM with restasis. If at all possible, down the road, I would look at getting off of restasis. So thank you so much for the question. Next question is from Bonnie. Quote, I just watched your video on cataracts and other great informative videos. Thank you. What can patients do who have already had cataract surgery to nourish their eyes. Okay, so that's question one. Question two is also, I now suffer from dry eye and have glaucoma in one eye. Help. Okay, Bonnie. So in terms of your first question, 
Um, if you've already had cataract surgery, my eye exercises work really well to improve the eye circulation, the eye lymph, uh, to reduce visual stress, to improve peripheral vision, to improve visual coordination. So I would jump on those eye exercises. It's called the Clarity Program. Now, it'll say for cataracts, but you can do it both uh, pre-surgically and post-surgically. The, the eye exercises will work great. I would really make sure you're um, using blue blocker lenses. Um, if you've had cataract surgery, you're more susceptible to blue light uh, damage to the macula. And I know some doctors don't believe in it, but I've got studies that prove it. More and more media people are talking about the damage of blue light on our health and our eyes. There's one study that I quoted from the University of Toledo where researchers uh, found that blue light from digital devices can cause retinal cell death. So blue blockers would be something I would get on right away. UV protecting lenses for sunglasses. Uh, but make sure you get 30 minutes of natural sunlight early in the morning or late in the day because we do need that natural light uh, for, for our health and, and our visual wellness. And, of course, diet, anti-inflammatory, um, fats and oils. I've talked about the omega-6 to omega-3 argument. Try to do one-to-one -one, or at least four-to-one. Too much omega-6 can be inflammatory for the body. Um, carotenoids, lutein, zeaxanthin, astaxanthin. You can get these from the colorful rainbow diet. And last, um, make sure that you are getting some level of stress reduction. Could be meditation, taking a walk, uh, going and taking a qigong qi class or a tai chi class. The more you're able to discharge your stress, the lower inflammatory response you're going to have in your body, your eyes are going to be happier. So this seg segues to the second part of your question. If you listen to the last question, I talk about dry eye. So I will uh, refer you to that uh, that piece. And in terms of glaucoma, again, lymph health is really important. Um, I also think that vascular disease, if you've got any hint of vascular disease in your body, even things like blood pressure, high blood pressure, hypertension, the more serious ones like diabetes, um, any vascular disease in the body could be echoing in the eye. I would get craniosacral therapy, acupuncture. These are all things that open up the meridians that open up your eye circulation. So these would be some simple things that I would do to, uh, uh, to improve your vision. So thank you so much for the question. I really appreciate it. Okay, this next question is pretty easy. This is from Pamela, and she says, Is it safe to use MSM eye drops on an eye that's had cataract surgery? Absolutely yes. Here's where I would start, Pamela. The MSM is a sulfur-based eye drop, and we know that sulfur is the third leading trace mineral in the body. So what you're doing when you use MSM eye drops, you're basically using a sulfur trace mineral 
that does many great things. It, it reduces inflammation, it detoxes the eye, it moistens the eye, um, and it, it creates better circulation. So as long as you're out of the post-op, you know, the first few days, and you've been given a clean bill of health, definitely you can use MSM um, as much or as little as you want to, and it's perfectly safe. And this is for any eye surgery, you can definitely do that. So thank you so much for the question. Next question is from, uh, is it Davia? She says that six years ago, she had an eye aneurysm. The retina was not damaged, but she still has a lot of blood debris and floaters. She was offered a procedure to uh, remove the vitreous of the left eye and replace it with some liquid. And she wants to know, is there anything else that she can do? So the condition or the, the procedure that she's referring to is something called a vitrectomy. And in a vitrectomy, what they do is they, they take the gel-like out of the jelly-like part of the vitreous out of the eye and they, um, they replace it with some liquid. So it's, it's a pretty safe surgery. There's certainly side effects you need to know about and talk to your surgeon like cataract development, glaucoma development, retinal detachment, uh, blurred vision. So it isn't, you know, the surgery like, like cataract surgery where it's, you know, really high success rate. There are definitely some risk factors with it. So the vitreous is the part of the eye which is made up of mostly collagen. And, you know, if you've got a lot of debris, blood, and, and floaters there, um, one of the things that I would consider is going for acupuncture. Because if you go for acupuncture, acupuncture does work on improving the meridians of the body, including the eye. So it's energy flow. And I have observed using acupuncture, sometimes it can take fluid that's or debris that's around the eyes away from the eyes. So it can drain out. And so if you find a skilled acupuncturist and you tell them this, it's not that they're going to put needles around your eyes, but those meridians run all the way down to the bottom of the feet. So you can put needles, acupuncture needles, or you can do essential oils on the meridians, on the um, acupuncture points, or sound healing, whatever the modality is for the acupuncturist, to start moving the energy in the eyes because there's chi stagnation. So that would be number one. Number two, I would definitely consider you know, a diet that's gluten-free, dairy-free, uh, sugar-free, anti-inflammatory, lots of plant-based, maybe consider doing a cleanse, work with a naturopath or a, a functional medicine doctor, see if there's any toxicities in your body that you could release, what your dental health is like, if you've got mercury amalgams that need to be replaced, if you've had a head trauma, uh, or any kind of trauma, craniosacral therapy could be helpful. And then my eye exercises, the floaters protocol, eye clarity uh, of 90-day program. I would start doing the eye exercises. I would consider the MSM eye drops as well. And I would give it a good three to six months and see if you can reduce some of the debris before you head into this surgery. So thanks so much for the question. I really appreciate it. So my last question today is from my friend Joe from New York. And Joe and I 
have had a friendship on email. He's done some amazing healing on his eyes uh, with uh, his macula. So he's asking a question about pinhole glasses. He says, I bought a pair of pinhole glasses recently, and I remember seeing a podcast or a YouTube video where you explain pinholes. Could you do that, please? Absolutely, Joe. Uh, Joe. So good to hear from you. And uh, uh, let's, see, let's see if I can and help you and others. So pinhole glasses are glasses where they just have holes in the glasses. So there's no prescription in the frame. It's just holes. And this works really well for people who want to begin to reduce their dependency on their prescription. So if you start wearing the pinhole glasses, you're going to notice that you see things more acutely. Um, and there's no prescription in the eye, but what the pinhole glasses are making you do is focus through these tiny holes. You have to move your eyes around a bit, sometimes your head, so that you're able to get clarity. And it can be a, um, an interesting eye exercise in terms of relearning how to uh, focus your eyes so that you're more acutely focusing through the holes. So it's exercising the muscles. It's changing your habit around how you bring your mind and brain and eyes to the world. So my recommendation would be wear the pinhole glasses for one minute and notice how your eyes change in terms of how you focus. Is it clear? Is it blurry? Look into the distance. Look at print up close. And then take the glasses off. And notice the change in your eyes from that exercise. And then I would layer it a second time. When you do things and you layer it, you can go deeper in the experience. So you do it a second time, wear them for a minute, notice what you notice, take them off. Again, notice what's, what's different a second time. Do it a third time. Okay. After you've done it a third time, then I want you to do my exercise N palm hum. It's on my website. Just type it in. It'll come in. So that'll relax your eyes. That'll reset your eyes after the pinholes. I would do that pinhole exercise three times a day for a month. And I would note what your eyes have to go through in order to be able to focus through those holes and see if you can sustain that same feeling when you take the pinholes off. And what will begin to happen over time is that you'll be able to sustain that clarity longer and longer without needing your prescription glasses. So that's how I would use it, Joe. You can use it inside. You can use it outside. You can use it looking in the distance. You can use it when you read. I don't recommend using them in any high visual demand situation. So no driving, Joe, with the pinholes. If you're reading and you're getting eye strain, take them off. So you just want to experience how those pinholes are changing your current visual habit. So that's my show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And um, again, if you have more questions, send them my way and I'll do my best to answer them. So until next time, take good care. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsamburn.com. 
The Byrne Method is a trademarked signature of Dr. Sam Byrne for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Byrne's information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.